Thank you for tuning in. I know it's been a minute. I just haven't had the mental availability to record, but I've thought about recording very often, and I have no excuses. But here we are. Here's another episode. And today is March 10th. 2022 it's my mom's birthday and it's the one year anniversary of my dad dying he died last year last year was pretty monumental in that respect because my dad passed but it's also the year that I met a man that I fell in love with. I didn't fall in love. I actually was conscious <laughs> and allowed myself to love and to be loved. And uh, we met around the same time, like a week before my dad died. And then my dad passed. And um, so I, f- I got in love and I also lost a love and on the same day was my mom's birthday so it was some weird stuff happening and you know I want to reflect on my dad because I loved loved him and love him very much he is my first relationship with a man he taught me a lot about men Even though I wasn't raised with him, I learned a lot about men's vulnerability, men's sensitivity, men's capability, um, their strength, and also their weakness. I learned their beauty. Uh, I also learned (laughs) self-pity. My dad had a lot of self-pity. He also had a lot of charm and intelligence and he was handsome. He was funny. He taught me how to play chess over the phone. He loved me deeply. He showed me how how to 
be loved by men. Although I spent many years feeling desperation from not having my dad around and craving love, but I know my dad loved me. He just wasn't emotionally available to show the love, but he was always complimenting me and calling me genius and telling me how smart I was and always so supportive he was supportive with his words although he wasn't financially supportive and he didn't come to my graduations or my plays in grammar school um but loved me deeply and know he did I'm so grateful for his love um my dad was an army veteran he told me that he was affected by agent orange in the Vietnam war he told me that he saw one of his army comrades get blown up by something. I don't know what it was, but you know, he's, he's had, he was in war firsthand. He told me how his dad, his dad chased his mom around the house with a knife or his mom chased his dad. I don't remember the story exactly but or it was his grandmother but there was alcoholism in his um parenting his parents um so he had a lot of trauma he had a lot of trauma and um he has three other children so i got to see a father um, a son, a brother, he has siblings, an uncle, he had nieces and nephews, and um, my dad suffered from alcoholism, PTSD, family trauma. He also was a gambler. He tried different jobs. He um, was a taxi, a cab driver in um, Las Vegas. My mom told me he did insurance at one time. He also wanted to act. And um, I think he was in a play once or something like that. My dad had such beautiful skin. He's Native American. And I think Irish, my grandmother, his mom was, she looked white if you saw her, but she had black in her, but, um, she was Irish and I know we have native American and African 
on my dad's side of the family. So his skin color was very reddish brown and smooth. I just wanted to do this podcast to honor my father. I loved my dad so much, so much. Um, I spent years, most of my childhood, very depressed because I had such love for my dad. Um, and he wasn't around, you know, cause he was drinking and, um, couldn't get sober. And so I spent a lot of time praying for him, crying for him, wanting him to be well. I'm sorry, you guys. Really sorry. I don't want to sit on here and cry the whole time, but. I spent so many years crying, so many years pleading, and he would call, and then he wouldn't. Years would go by. I went through anger, depression, sadness, low self-worth. Um, but I also got a lot of freedom because of my dad. Um, I had to learn how to let go and I had to learn to pray a lot and to rely on prayer and God a lot and miracles would happen. Like I would pray for him and then I would see him somewhere strange. Like one time I saw him in Las Vegas at a gas station or he would call like my cousin would say that they saw him or my sister would connect with him or, you know, just like these strange ways that I would get in contact with him. But so I had to learn to rely on prayer. And I also, um, had to learn how to heal because of him. You know, I spent a lot of time being sad because of him, but I also wanted to be free and joyous and not to have him be the reason that I was sad so I went through a lot of therapy and ended up going into AA and getting sober and um, dealing with those things that hurt, those deep tra- traumas that hurt. And uh, I learned how to release and now I'm going to Al-Anon. I'm in all kind of programs and, you know, Part of being in a 12-step program is maintain anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. So I just want to acknowledge that. But I also want to share that um, 12-step programs are a major part of who I am. They have given me a lot of strength working the 12 steps and admitting powerlessness 
uh, making amends, looking at defects of character, giving away this program to others, being of service. These things have helped me be the person I am and have helped me heal over that um, longing that I had in my soul for my dad and the the broken heart. Um, and I don't think my heart was ever literally broken, but it's just it was just a sadness in my, my soul for so many years. And I no longer feel that way. That's why I was kind of hesitant about doing this podcast because I'm not sad. Like, I feel release, you know. I don't know where he is. You know, he's hopefully in heaven. If there is such a thing as like a literal heaven. Um, and what I mean by that is if there's actually a place where someone goes, I pray that he's there in heaven. But ultimately, I just pray he's in peace and that his soul is in peace. And that he knows I love him. I'm sure he knows that, but. So my mom and dad met in the 12 step program and they had me and my mom was able to stay sober. She just celebrated 47 years sober. And my dad, he was sober two years and went out and, then I think he got sober again, but he was never able to stay sober because he didn't want to do the program. So I've always had this battle in me of up until now, I'm 11 years sober now, but up until I got sober, I used to have this battle of wanting to be sober and not wanting to be sober. Once I realized I had a problem with alcohol and marijuana, um, you know, it took me some time to get into the program because I felt like I could do it on my own. So that self-will that my dad has, I got it. And that feeling of wanting to be free and, and not have anybody tell me what to do, I had that very strong. But then I also had this willingness and this um, surrender from my mom. So I'm well-balanced in that way. But I appreciate his spirit of wanting to be free and wanting to be his own person and you know, unfortunately, his wanting to be free and not be responsible led to him not taking care of his four kids, but <laughs> and not paying bills or child support. But um, I don't want to be that free. I do. I do want some responsibility. Um. So yeah, my dad was a beautiful person. He was tall, handsome, highly intelligent. Oh, he taught me how to play tennis as well. Um, and an interesting story about that is we played tennis off of this, at this, um, tennis court on Wilshire when I was about nine, it was one of the times I hadn't seen him and I hadn't seen him in some years and he was staying at a halfway house over, I think it was called the Royal Palms. He was staying at a halfway house and he taught me how to play chess then, how to move the pieces around. But then we went and played tennis at this at this um this tennis court and he was telling me how good I am. He always encouraged me and tell me, You're just so smart, you catch on to everything. You're just so you brilliant. You're a genius. Like, oh my God. He was like, Ooh, so encouraging. But anyway, we played at this tennis court.
I am so loved. I've always been loved. I'm so grateful for that. But, um, so, you know, I ended up going to law school. I went to law school off of Wilshire. And on the fourth floor of the law school, there's this veranda you could walk out on, look out at downtown. And uh, I went on the veranda and I'm standing up there and I'm looking out. And I look out and I see the tennis court where I played tennis with my dad. Since then, they've put up this huge (laughs) condo in between that view. But I just remember looking like, wow, I've come so far. It's a full circle. Here I am how much I've overcome and I'm here in law school looking at the tennis court where I played tennis with my dad and it just felt so divine it felt so like orderly like I got to that a place of forgiveness by that point. By the time I'm looking at this court, I'm had gone through so much healing and overcome so much adversity. And uh I just felt like, oh wow, this is where I'm supposed to be, you know, like like wow. <laughs> that was a great feeling. Anyway, today's my mom's birthday as well. And um, she's so beautiful. If you hadn't, if you haven't gotten a chance, please listen to the audio, the podcast before this, where's the interview with my mom, and you'll get a chance to understand her. She's overcome so much adversity, been through the civil rights movement, um, been through alcoholism. She's so strong, raised two women by herself. And today's her birthday. I would say her age, but I don't know if she wants her age on here. But um, And it's such a contrast that my mom's birthday and my, da- my dad's death day. And he loved my mom so much. He was still in love with my mom all the way until... He passed, I imagine, because he had a dementia towards the end. Dementia due to alcoholism. But um, but even the years before that, he would ask, how's your mama doing? You know, I love your mama and stuff like that. And I was always in love with your mama. So I don't think it's by mistake that he picked that day <laughs> to make his transition. But I also think it's very selfish. <laughs> Because on this day, this a joyous day, it's also a day to think about his death. (laughs) Which means I'm a little selfish that I'm making it about me. But aren't we all a little selfish? (laughs) Anyway. 
the main thing I want to pull out of this whole reflection on my dad is his inability to change his thinking and his inability to control his drinking. Inability to change his thinking and inability to control his thinking. No. Inability to change his thinking and inability to control his drinking. My dad had low self-esteem, but high hopes. Hence the gambling. And the hope of winning. But low self-esteem in a sense that not believing in himself and not believing in his potential and his ability. And I don't know if that was a result of his drinking so much or if he already felt that way and that's why he drank. But part of my reasoning of starting this podcast is to get at the way we think as human beings and to change our thinking or to help catapult a new way of thinking. And if I could have helped my dad in any kind of way, it would have been for him to forgive himself. I think that was his main thing is that he had such self-pity and felt so bad about himself for whatever he had done, whatever he had seen, whatever he should have done, a feeling of regret, if I could have conveyed to him to forgive himself and to love himself, I think that would have been the basis for a new way of thinking for him. Forgiveness of self and others is fundamental. But how are we to forgive others if we can't forgive ourselves? I tried to tell him I forgive him. I love him. But I don't think that was enough. Because he didn't forgive himself for not being there for me, for not being there for his other children. He couldn't forgive or forget the things he had seen in war. how do you change thinking really because it's like there's fundamental ideas there's a history of thought that has formed that we have carried for years and years and years that started at Perhaps in the womb. And definitely outside of the womb when we started to accumulate sound and taste and touch and feel and hearing. And ideas that people were injecting in our ears as children. And those thoughts continue to snowball, collect. 
and then we become adults and we're still carrying these thoughts. that are sometimes interspersed with new ideas. But for the most part, we're still thinking the old thoughts. So how do you change those thoughts? How do you stop those thoughts? The ability to do so is there. But I don't think everybody has the desire to change their thinking or even knows that they can change their thinking. And so they drink or they get high or they eat or they run away from the idea of changing their thoughts. Especially if the process is slow. Days, weeks, months to change ideas. So yeah, I I would have tried to encourage my dad to forgive himself, but it's up to the individual to actually change their thought. And there's the catch 22, because I am the thinker thinking the thought, but I am the thinker who can change the thought, but I am the thinker who does not know how to change my thought about how I'm thinking. (laughs) And that's where prayer comes in. Because if I can pray, I can ask God to help me. If I can pray, I can ask God to change my thinking. But then there's another problem. I need to believe in the prayer that I'm praying. (laughs) But then comes the power of the Holy Spirit that I don't necessarily have to believe if I'm asking God, the Holy Spirit will come in and change my thinking for me. And that's the power of prayer is, yeah, it's powerful when I believe, but even if I don't believe, God can do for me what I can't do for myself. I couldn't possibly convey that idea to my dad because I didn't even get it at the time that he was alive. I was still working on myself. At the end of his life, I was in a place of letting him go because I had tried so many years to maintain a relationship with him and to break past the barrier that had been put up of unforgiveness of his self, of my trying to make him be more of a father Or am I trying to get him to see things differently? Like trying to, you know, like, daddy, you know, oh, you know, like, daddy, I'm here. Like, like a little girl, like, oh, I love you, daddy. And him saying, well, he, I said, I love him. And he said he loved me. But just that feeling of like, 
uh, communion. I was trying to get that again, but he was already in the early stages of dementia. And so I had released, I had already released him. And prior to that, I had already let go of the idea of really getting close to him again because he just wasn't available to be there for me the way I would have liked. He was still drinking. He was promising to send me money and wouldn't. He was asking me to send him money. So I had already built up like boundaries and like this feeling of like, I'm not going to believe a fairy tale type of thing. So if I had even tried to communicate this idea of forgiveness and changing thought, it would have been like forcing something or preaching or trying to convince or trying to like please him again or or make him be this idea that I wanted him to be. I would have been trying to change him for me. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my experience unacceptable to me, and I will find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be in this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. And that's from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous said that by heart. I remember that shit because acceptance is everything. Accepting other people, how they are. Accepting my thinking, how it is not trying to control people, places, and things. And so I keep that in mind as I'm working on my thinking and I'm trying to change my own own thinking. I'm also an acceptance of life on life's terms and how I think. And acceptance does not mean things are not going to change. It just means I ain't going to put like, I'm not going to stress out about it. And so I had gotten to a place of acceptance with my dad that this is how he is. I gotten over the anger. I have got I gotten over the the um hurt feeling. I gotten over the resentment. I'd forgiven him and um and I, I knew I couldn't change him. But I would have I would have if I had known what I known today, I probably would have still tried. <laughs> I probably would have still told him the things about thinking if I if I could have had a, a real good conversation with him. I, I probably would have, even if it was preachy. <laughs> I, I still would have tried. Even now, there's people in my life that I have to be in acceptance of, that they are how they are. But I still give my encouragement. I still give my feedback. But I'm not attached to them changing based off of what I say. I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, 
be a bystander and not say anything. I'm going to say, you know, what I feel is help or healing or transformative, but I'm not pushing it on nobody. I'm not um, forcing it. I'm just doing it from a place of love and acceptance. And if they get what I'm saying, that's wonderful. If they don't, I tried. And that's how I approached my dad. It's like, I love you. I want you to get sober. You can get sober. You can do it, dad. That type of thing. But I also knew that I had no control over his alcoholism. And I made a documentary about it. It's called Why Daddy. It's on YouTube. If you're interested in seeing it, you can look it up. Um, You can go to my channel, Vlog of Dreams TV, and then pull up Why Daddy. Or put in Why Daddy Vlog of Dreams, and it should come up that way. Anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for listening to my tears. Thanks for listening to my reflection. Thanks for listening to my insight. Thanks for your prayers for me. Continue to pray for me. I'll continue to pray for you. And tune in for the next episode. I don't know when that'll be, but tune in for the next episode. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in and eating some spiritual food with me today. Once again, this is Kim's Chi, Feeding Life Energy, a podcast for the nourishment of the hungry soul. All steps for man, one giant leap for mankind.